0: the literal mark of the beast itself and if we look at the signs of the times i don't know dates and i don't and i'm not a prophet so i don't know the future but it seems to me just looking at the signs of the times by the light of faith as we're called to as faithful christians it seems that it's right around the corner
1: a number of years ago now i was in the vatican and the reporters were asking then the head spokesman for the vatican father lombardi about the existence of intelligent life beyond the planet earth. And well, he took it very seriously, but that's because there is intelligent life. That's not on earth. They're called angels and they're real intelligent life. However, that's not the discussion that most people are talking about. In fact, when president Obama was asked about aliens, he took it very seriously. He talked about how there would perhaps be new religions created if such a thing happened. We're going to talk about that with a professor from a college of philosophy professor. Some of you might know him. His name is Daniel O'Connor. He's a great Catholic author of many books, including a one that we're going to feature here, but also he's a professor who has suffered because of VAX mandates. You're going to want to stay tuned for this episode. This is The John Henry Weston Show. Hey everyone, this is John Henry Weston from LifeSite News. I have an urgent announcement for you. Could you please help us to get to our fundraising goal right now? We have less than a week left and things are not going well. We're not able to get to our goal if this continues at this rate. You need to go to lifesightnews.com, click on the right top side of the page where it says donate or go direct to give.lifesightnews.com to make a generous donation today even if you can only make a little donation, $5, $10, all these things will help. You may have already tried to make a donation and got stopped for some odd reason. We've been attacked by all sorts of hackers. And so we're defending ourselves against that, but we need you to try that again. So please do go to support us right now at give.lifesightnews.com. Thanks so much for your attention. Daniel, welcome to the program.
0: Very good to be here. It's an honor. As I said to you before, I've been checking LifeSite News every day for almost 15 years now, so I'm very happy to be with you.
1: Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So uh, so a very interesting interview with uh, you, yourself, and Father Dan Rehill, uh, who's been on the show. wanted to get your take on this, because you mentioned a clip of President Obama talking about aliens, but also of this phenomenon being sort of increasingly prevalent today and about how this could be a massive deception, which would work actually very well. What we'll do is we'll look at the clip first from Obama, and I'll get your take on it. I would hope that the knowledge that there were aliens out there would solidify people's sense that what we have in common is a little more important but no doubt there would be immediate arguments about like well you know we need to spend a lot more money on weapon systems to defend ourselves which and and you know those their new religions would pop up and who knows what kind of arguments we get into we we're, we're good at manufacturing arguments for each other
0: well when we have a, a former u.s president and not just anyone but i think he's uh <laughs> unfortunately going to still, I don't think he's done. I think he's going to play in very much to what's coming warning of of, not warning, but uh, kind of just being inspired by this possibility of new religions popping up with the discovery of proof of aliens. I don't think he said that without being given permission to say that by his handlers. And this fits in perfectly with what it seems they've been preparing us for. If you look at the, you know, the, the frog in the water, Uh, example, where you have to boil the frog uh, gradually for him to not jump out of the pot. That's what's been happening with these UFO deceptions, these alien deceptions. The great, the final trial of the church, it's mysterious, the details of it, but I think we're living in the initial stages of it now. And for that to really reach its climax, they're going to need to present a, quote, new gospel to us from, quote, the heavens. And what Better way to do that than through a supposed revelation of aliens that they have in turn been preparing us for for years now with these UFO reports, which just in the last couple of years have suddenly exploded into the mainstream like never before.
1: What is it that you foresee and what gives you the sort of hint that this might be coming in a big way?
0: when you see the, the new age teachings that surround these alien phenomena and the UFO phenomena, and when you look, when you research what people have actually experienced with these alleged UFO encounters and alien encounters, it's all demonic. And I have yet to find a single example of a supposed UFO encounter, alien encounter that isn't either clearly a hoax or a hallucination or a, you know, explainable a natural phenomena, or if it's not, It's in some way diabolical. We read time and time again of these supposed aliens fleeing at the name of Jesus and things like that. The exact same reactions we would expect from a demonic encounter. So this notion of aliens, we we should be guarded against this by the faith. And I've, I've even like, I've got a quote from the catechism. I've got, keep your catechism handy, submit to what it says. That's going to be one of the clearest ways uh, the easiest ways of averting what's coming in the times ahead. And the Catechism says very clearly, I'm looking now at paragraph 356, and it says right there, of all visible creatures, only man is able to know and love his creator. In other words, human beings are the only incarnate creatures that exist that are capable of knowing and loving God. In other words, capable have this faculty of reason, this free rational will so we can rule out right from the onset from our faith and there's so many other ways i'm not building it all on just that verse in the catechism that's our starting point but we should know as faithful christians and as faithful catholics that human beings are the only incarnate intelligent life that exists in the universe
1: this is really fascinating because that conversation that i experienced in the vatican with father lombardi at the time that never figured into the discussion at all. It seemed like he was totally leaving open the possibility of literally finding (laughs) physical beings on other planets with intelligence. Uh, The Pope actually recently remarked on this, saying that if there were, um, you know, aliens or whatever, he would baptize them. But there's even problem with that, isn't there?
0: And the, the Pope is saying he's, he'd baptize, I think Martians was the quote he used, that he would baptize Martians. Well, that's not our divine mandate from Christ. He, 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 and if you, you can open up the Magisterium, canon law, we are called to baptize human beings, which are indeed the only rational incarnate creatures. There's no, there's no other mandate. And there was a, I think it was the Vatican astronomer also last year. He talked about how this discovery of aliens would compel us to reread our faith. And if that doesn't raise huge red flags for you, I don't know what would. This this call to reread our faith, which is the opposite of what we need to do as Catholics, which is accept our faith as it is handed on to us by sacred tradition, by 2,000 years now of sacred tradition. The, the foundation in scripture, we will never need to reread it. We will keep growing, of course, in, in, in sanctity and, and knowledge, but we will never reread our faith. That is always. A huge red flag, and it should warn us that something diabolical is going on.
1: One of the things that's truly remarkable is that you'd expect the world, especially the Antichrist world, those powers that seek to destroy truth, the ultimate truth, would want to foist some kind of deception like this. But coming or aided and abetted in it by the Vatican, that's truly disturbing. We've already seen that same scenario go on, the shutting down of the churches. It was heralded by the Vatican. It was sort of started with the Pope. Um, then we had the vax mandates and surely we thought, well, this is a pro-abortion vaccine. It's made off the backs of aborted babies. It's very, very clear that no one really says that that's not true anymore because the evidence is all out there. Surely the Vatican will fight such vax mandates nope actually the pope insisted on it in the vatican for the vatican employees truly unbelievable and we're seeing that happen right now as well with the alien thing it's truly disturbing
0: it really is disturbing and it's a sign of the times the great apostasy that we're in we can't even trust the men in in pink hats or red hats in the vatican or other hats maybe we'll get to that later but um to, to keep us in the faith, firm in the faith, and more faith and morals. Instead, we have to stick with what the Seers are saying, the true magisterium. You open up the, the actual magisterial texts that are just as valid today as they were 50 years ago, or 100 years ago, or 1,000 years ago. Everything that the, the true magisterium has given us is set in stone, and we need to understand that as Catholics, this doesn't change until the end of time. It will never change. So, when you see these men in the Vatican trying to abuse their authority to present a new gospel to you, it doesn't matter that their, that their residential address happens to be a certain city-state within the boundaries of Rome. You need to reject that. You need to stick with what the magisterium says. And thanks be to God, it, it really is clear. And yes, we live in times of great confusion, And but if you want to know the truth, it's not that difficult to discover. You open up the magisterium, and you'll find it in there. So with the VAX mandates, and that, that's yet another thing, we've got the Vatican really cooperating with what I would say is the laying down of the infrastructure of the Antichrist. And I'm not saying the vaccine is literally the mark of a beast or anything like that, but it seems to be a preparation for those times where I think that we've been in boot camp for the last couple of years, the faithful. I think that What's been going on has been a training for us for what is coming next. And if you've been giving in to that, to these mandates and these diabolical directives, you better be really careful because tomorrow you might just succumb to something even graver, even more diabolical. Maybe the mark of the beast itself. So with the vaccine, uh, you know, that's like so many people out there today. I, I it was mandated for me. for for me to continue my studies. I've been working on my PhD in philosophy for four years now at the State University of New York in Albany, and they uh, mandated it for all students. And I've been able, I was able to avert that for a while by studying online, but now there's no more online courses available. So it's just the vaccine or I'm kicked out. So obviously I refuse to get the vaccine. I will not be vaccinated with something that used aborted fetal cells in its development and not to mention many other issues with the vaccine, which are by the day become coming into light more and more. I submitted my application for religious exemption. It was denied outright, no opportunity for appeal. And they, you know, they said, this decision is final. You have the option of either going fully online. There were no, <laughs> there were no online courses op- offered from my PhD or of withdrawing from the university basically or getting the vaccine, which I had already explained was not an option for me. So this is just another way of saying, that they kicked me out. After four years of working my PhD, they kicked me out. But I say God's will be done. That's, the, it wasn't God's will for me to continue there at this point. And I would encourage everyone to react accordingly. When their conscience tells them one thing, and when all the external pressures tell you something else, always, always, always side with your conscience, no matter what the cost.
1: In that sense, it is a perfect preparation for the Mark of the Beast. Just like you said, it's a boot camp. Because in the scriptures, we're told, without it, you won't be able to buy or sell. If you do accept it, however, it's very clear in the scriptures that you don't attain eternal life. Somehow, the scriptures are very, very clear on this, that that basically all those who receive it uh, will also receive hellfire. So that's a strange thing all by itself. But the preparation factor is so clear. We were barred from stores uh, without uh, masking. And then came the vax mandates. You were going to be fired from your job. Your children are going to be withheld from school. You're withheld from travel. If you do manage to travel, you, unlike those who are vaxed, have to quarantine for 14 days. It's, It's jail sentences. It's unreal what's happened. And so your analogy of a boot camp or a perfect prep for the coming of the Mark of the Beast, it's uncanny.
0: And that's that's clearly what's happening. And God's permissive will, of course, is operative here in giving us this training for what's coming next. But on the devil's side of things, you see him preparing. You know, the devil's not, he's not omnipotent. He has to lay foundations and prepare and get ready. And I never would have imagined, and I've been keeping an eye on prophecy for a very long time now, but even I I wouldn't have imagined how quickly they could have laid down this infrastructure for the Antichrist as COVID-enabled. With the, the combine the Vax mandates with the health passports and the upcoming central bank digital currencies, you have everything right there that they they only yeah. need to tweak that slightly to make it become along with maybe a chip in the right hand or forehead the literal mark of the beast itself. And if we look at the signs of the times, I don't know dates and I don't and I'm not a prophet, so I don't know the future. But it seems to me, just looking at the signs of the times, by the light of faith, as we're called to as faithful Christians, it seems. It's right around the corner.
1: I have an interesting question for you. Because one of the things that I've pondered about this Mark of the Beast idea, because the scripture is so emphatic that those who receive it will uh, lose eternal salvation. Didn't there sort of have to be some kind of agreeing to mortal sin somewhere in there, like irrevocably so, Um And yes, you know, maybe you have to swear to be a good citizen. And by that, they mean that you uphold women's rights. Of course, what that means is pro-abortion. And you uphold uh, uh, rights of families or same-sex marriage or or love or whatever they want to call it. Have you ever thought about that?
0: I think about this a lot because God is so good. He wouldn't allow, allow us to lose our salvation without deliberately choosing that in some way. So the mark of the beast itself, it's going to have to be concomitant with some sort of diabolical oath contrary to the faith explicitly. And as, as wrong as, I, as much as I've encouraged people to avoid the, uh, the COVID vaccines, it, you know, it, it didn't come with an explicit rejection of the faith admittedly. So this is why it's a preparation. It's like a, the frog in the water, as I said before, the, the gradual preparation for this ultimate test. So what exactly the mark of the beast itself will involve? It will be something even more flatly contrary to the faith, which is why I'm always asking people, and I repeat this line all the time, to set your face like flint, to not violate a single precept of faith or morals. Because we tend to forget today, we we tend to ignore today, that both are dogmatic, both are absolutely infallible. The teachings of the magisterium on faith and morals. We can never reject a single tenet of either, even if it costs us our, our lives, and it's more than worth it. If you have to sacrifice your very life to avoid making some sort of a, giving some sort of a proverbial pinch of incense before the the pagan idols, the, the emperors we know from the early Roman times, that's 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 immediate entry into heaven if you get to die as a martyr. That, that's the, one of the greatest gifts you could you could possibly have. So be excited for that possibility, but don't even dialogue. And that's, you know, the, coming back to the alien issue, that's why if we even start dialoguing with what we should know from the onset, is not an option, Is ruled out, you, that's where it's easiest to resist temptation is when you're farthest away from it, because it's like two magnets. The closer you get to temptation, the stronger the pull and the harder it is to resist. So if you just reject dialogue with evil from the very onset, Everything is going to go much better for you. But if you start to second guessing yourself, second guessing your conscience, and thinking, "Oh, well, maybe it's maybe it's fine," I'm being pressured. You know, my personal life will get difficult if I if I stick with my conscience on this. That's when you really are getting into unbelievably dangerous territory with your very salvation itself.
1: Now, I think that's why the the message on aliens, UFOs, and, and the like needs to hit home with folks. Because before they come to you with this kind of a deception, you know that this is not a possibility of being real. Sure, there is intelligent life out there. There are angels. There's also devils. And they are intelligent life forms, but they are not physical creations. It it can get confusing, though, because they can manifest um, as physical creations as well. So there is that.
0: And that's what I think they're going to be doing increasingly in the coming days is, is there's technological aspects of this as well, because I'm sure the elite will want to leverage this for their agenda, maybe with holograms or all sorts of other things that might make it seem like there's aliens. And they've clearly been behind this, this UFO push in the last couple of years subtly. But even when the demons themselves start manifesting, there are various ways that we the same spiritual warfare tactics we've always used as faithful, use them here. But the, the before you even use those, you must know to not dialogue. And that's why I, it's unpopular, I suppose, but that's why I insist upon this so much, where that there are no aliens. Because if you even start that dialogue, you're starting to get sucked in. So don't dialogue with these supposed aliens when they're presented by the elite, by the mainstream media. Instead, rebuke them in the name of Jesus and see what happens. See, see, see what you experience when you when you immediately resort to prayer, there's going even if you yourself experience something like that, they'll react like the demons would, because that's exactly what they are.
1: Daniel, I wanted to talk to you as well about the first time I actually saw you. Um, it was a video you did about your book. I want you to just tell us about your book, but I just want to describe the video first because I, I found it fascinating. I've obviously studied um, Louisa picaretta uh, and I'll let you explain who she is, for a long, long time. You've... Distilled her teachings, but you sort of offered them all in a very short video, being very respectful of people's time, and encouraged them to capture the nutshell. Not so much even read your book, but capture the nutshell and practice it, because for you that's much more important. There's a beautiful example of uh, charity in action uh, from an academic. You know, I I just had a friend of mine who just released his uh, first book. And uh, not first book, excuse me, second book, but it, it was an academic book. And he did this too. He sort of distilled all his hard fought knowledge down to the common man to just give it away for free, to, to present it. And it was more important for him to share that truth than it was to sell books or look smart or anything else. You did that as well. It was a beautiful presentation, but do tell us about, about your book and about Luisa Picarena.:
0: Yeah, and I do that because well Jesus did it first with Louisa. He gives this is, she's an extraordinary mystic, and uh, she died 70 or so years ago. But with, with her he had he gave her thousands of pages of mystical revelations. And yet, towards the end of them even, he says to her, "All of this, all these thousands of pages." They're contained in 11 words. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You could call her whole set of revelations, her whole mysticism, her whole decades and decades of receiving these messages, you could call it just a commentary on Matthew 6, 10. And Jesus is reminding us, this is new in one sense, but really it's as traditional as you can possibly get in a deeper sense. I love how Jesus puts it in his message to Louisa. So I try to just get that nutshell out as much as I can. These messages in a nutshell are that the Our Father means exactly what it says. That if if Jesus ever, and Jesus, of course, meant everything he said, but if Jesus ever meant anything he said absolutely seriously, it would be the climax of the one and only prayer he taught and commanded us to pray, the Our Father. And the climax has always been indisputably regarded as thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. That's what whole. That's what sacred tradition is aiming towards. This whole time, the accomplishment of God's will. That's what we're fighting for in every noble mission we undertake. We're fighting for the accomplishment of God's will. Now we do so confident that victory is ours in Jesus Christ. And of course, above all, we're aiming for heaven, the beatific vision, and that can never happen on earth, because um, that would be the heresy of millenarianism. But we. But His will can be accomplished on earth, even though we can't see Him on earth. His will can be accomplished. That's the that is the essential promise, Jesus tells Louisa, that gives, that, that charts out the whole course of sacred tradition. And I love what he tells her about how there are two promises that chart out all of history. Salvation history, leading up to the incarnation redemption, can be summarized as the promise right after sin. I've got a quote from it somewhere here. I don't know if I could find it quickly enough, but Jesus says that right after sinning, he delayed not, not even one moment. And he said to the serpent that that a woman would come who would crush your head. And he says those words burned the the infernal serpent, the devil, more than hell itself. Hmm. And centuries passed, and the devil was always prowling about seeking this woman who would destroy, who would crush his head, trying to destroy her, But the promise did not fail. 4,000 years later, Our Lady came. Her seed crushed the head of the serpent. But Jesus tells Louisa, then I made another promise when I came to earth, even more solemn, that my will would triumph on earth. That must happen. Every Our Father that is said prepares for that, waters the seed. So what I'm begging everyone to do now, and yes, to dive into Louisa, her revelations are largely my life's mission now. But above all, to take the Our Father absolutely seriously, to pray it with more fervency and vigor and frequency than ever before, and to trust absolutely that Jesus meant exactly what, is, what he said, that his will would triumph. And how will it triumph? Through Our Lady, through the triumph of her immaculate heart, which we, of course, know from Fatima will happen. Jesus also promised Louisa that she will soon work miracles that will shake heaven and earth. And he said this in like the 30s or something, even after Fatima. So what I always say, and I believe this is absolutely true, the miracle of the son of Fatima, that was a preview for what is coming soon through Our Lady's Triumph. She is going to work miracles that will shake heaven and earth in order to bring this about. We need to trust that and we need to fight with the confidence that we have in being children of the queen of heaven and earth.
1: It's a beautiful thing to think about. Because obviously there's, there's a coalescing here with the promise of Our Lady of Fatima. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. There will be a period of peace given to the world. And I presume that seems to fit together with what uh, Louisa re, uh, had from our Lord, that this time where um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
0: time that's coming and we of course just this look at what we were talking about earlier just the, the chastisements that are coming with this the infrastructure of the antichrist and the mark of the beast and the persecutions and this the great apostasy which is which is unfolding before our eyes in the vatican itself of all places which as disconcerting as that is should not really surprise us knowing the prophecies mm-hmm. either so this is that's all coming but our lady will crush that that was the promise so that she would triumph over that A triumph implies a a triumph over something. So we see this promise at Fatima. We see it, of course, in the Our Father itself, in the revelations uh, given to Louisa, but so many other mystics also were given this promise that the kingdom would come on earth, that his will would reign on earth as in heaven, and that the serpent would be crushed, a period of peace, an era of peace, a Eucharistic reign, it's been referred to in some places, because, of course, only in heaven do we get the, the visible personal reign of Jesus, but for the, tr- the sacraments to triumph on earth, for the church to triumph on earth. So many prophecies. And I remember I was reading a, an article in the, in the Old Catholic Encyclopedia about prophecy in general. And it said, I'll go by memory here, but um, that all the seers agree. So this article is summarizing 2,000 years of private revelation prophecy about what's coming on earth. All the seers agree that a triumph more splendid than has ever been seen on earth is coming before the end. That Hmm. this will be a renovation of the world. And if you think about it even logically, it kind of has to be that way. How did the world begin? Perfect, the garden of Eden. Now we'll never exactly go back to that in all the details of course, but if you look at the general scope of things, the original harmony that has to be restored before the ultimate end comes, before the last judgment and all that. God has to win. He's not, the, the last words he ever speaks are not going to be, I'll quote my friend Mark Mel. No, his last words are not going to be, oh, well, I tried. <laughs> he's he's going to win before the end. His, his mother, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, is going to triumph. And knowing that that's coming, that gives us the boldness we need to fight now. I always think also of one of my favorite quotes from St. Faustina's Revelation. She, by the way, said that the divine mercy would triumph on earth and it will be worshiped by all souls that's coming. But Jesus told her, go my child fortified by my grace and fight for my kingdom in human souls. Fight as a king's child would, he tells her. Hmm. How would a king's child fight? With absolute confidence that his father is the king, that he that his father's in absolute control. Now, our father in heaven is the king of everything. And the, the few, the relative few people hearing, I don't know how many people will hear this, but compared to the almost 8 billion people on earth, it's a tiny proportion, I can say that fairly confidently, you're part of this tiny faithful remnant that's called to proclaim this kingdom. And if you do that, you can build up enormous treasures in heaven while fighting for this kingdom on earth, which i beg you
1: to do. We know that in the end, the earth will be consumed by fire. So how do we get to that point from having a triumph on earth?
0: I've speculated about this. The, the prophecies don't make it absolutely clear how the absolute end of time transpires. What I speculate, and I take a clear reading of Revelation 20, I know there's a lot of symbolic readings and, and those have their value as well. But when you look at Revelation, I think it's chapter 20, I hope I'm remembering correctly. You see this, You first of all, you see Uh, Earlier in Revelation, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, the false prophet, this drawn out persecution and apostasy, which I think we're in the beginnings of right now. But then you see this symbolic thousand years of the reign of saints, this reign of peace. But then at the end of that, it says that Satan is briefly released from his prison. So what I see, this triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, this reign of the divine will on earth, I see it as a time on earth, we don't know how long, because we, of course, Jesus said, we know not the day or the hour of his final coming in the flesh. So we don't know how long this triumph of the Immaculate Heart will be. But at the very end, I would speculate that there's a very brief unleashing of Satan, as Revelation 20 says, from his, his prison, hell, to just kind of consume it all. And my theory on that is, Jesus doesn't want to be God. Jesus, of course, doesn't want to be the immediate instrument of the dissolution of all things in fire. It would almost be unbecoming, wouldn't it, <laughs> of a reign of his will on earth, and suddenly he just comes and wipes it out. He's going to, with his permissive will and one final act of his permissive will, allow Satan to burst forth through Gog and Magog, as Revelation says, briefly. And maybe this will be that final apocalyptic battle between the encampment of the saints and the devil but I think it will be very brief. There's nothing in the book of Revelation that implies that there's this drawn out great apostasy and falling away in Mark of the Beast leading up to it, as we see today. Today, we're certainly in those times where the people are primed for this apostasy and the faithful remnant that's resisting it is, is very small. But at the very end, yes, I think that it will be just this final unleashing of evil, that he will triumph over how with his second coming in the flesh, which can only happen at the very end of time to commence the 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 general resurrection and the last judgment.
1: It's fascinating. You know, never thought of the Our Father in quite that way before. Thought of it in terms of thy will be done, sort of a a prayer that the will of God is done on earth, meaning in me as well. I, I know in society too, in our country and so on. But more thought of it as a prayer that thy will will be done as a prayer, but not as a certainty, as a as a prophecy, as a as a promise. So that's a truly fascinating way to look at it.
0: Yeah, and it just makes perfect sense to me that that, that diving into the very essence of our Lord's teachings in the flesh when He was on Earth would also be the key to understanding what's coming towards the end. That this is this means exactly what it says. And of course, we 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 on Judgment Day we answer only for ourselves. So of course we need to be most concerned with. The accomplishment of God's will in our own life, but also fighting for the accomplishment of his will across the whole earth. And that's the most inspiring thing I can even think of.
1: It's amazing. It's it's fighting toward victory when you know victory is coming. And it's not only victory is coming in heaven. There's also a victory here. That's a, it's a beautiful concept. Even were you to die in the fight, you'd know what there is a fight for, for your children uh as well so beautiful
0: that gives you the strength you need and louisa you know jesus told her you're not going to live to see this on earth by the way <laughs> are not the exact words used but that didn't inhibit her zeal at all and and she was bedridden so she couldn't do much out in the world but she was always acting as a victim soul praying and sacrificing to avert the chastisements and hasten his triumph and all that that didn't inhibit her zeal at all so I always tell people, don't worry at all. Don't think at all about whether you'll live to see it on earth. That doesn't matter. What matters is that you're fighting for this. You're fighting for it directly, but you're also fighting for it in all of the things that we know his will holds. And for example, above all, a fighting for life. Jesus tells Louisa, I don't have the quote in front of me at the moment, but um, that abortion is the sin that most cries out to heaven for vengeance, and by fighting for life, that's one of the most powerful ways we can possibly fight for his will on earth. And also for the sanctity of marriage. There are a ton of examples from the earlier parts of the diary. I think this is the beginning of the 1900s, where Jesus is asking Louisa to pray and suffer and sacrifice against this effort to legalize divorce. And I did a bunch of research in the background of this. This was at the Hague Convention on international law when they first tried to legalize divorce. Jesus told her, this will fail, this effort to legalize divorce will fail because of your sacrifices. But after you die, no promises. And she died in 1947 and it did get legalized not long after that. But he said that's the that was the ultimate affront to his church, he said, divorce. So by fighting for life and family and marriage, we are really fighting for some of the most important goods that will flourish during the reign of his will.
1: Beautiful, well, Daniel, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they get your book? And uh, be in touch.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes. So my book, I I would recommend, I've got a few, but I'd recommend Thy Will Be Done. That's my most recent one. And that's what kind of puts it in the nutshell the best. You can Google Daniel O'Connor blog, Thy Will Be Done, or you can go directly to dsdoconnor.com where you can find links to my books and everything else.
1: Daniel, thank you uh, for all of what you're doing and for being with us on the show.
0: Thank you for all, all that you're doing as well. God bless you. Thank you for
1: having me. Thank you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this video. And to see more like this, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. So check out our links in the description to read more, sign up for our newsletter, and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all of the latest life, family, and culture news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.